Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. Today, I'm with a CEO, international speaker, author, really awesome guest that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, good to be back with you. And um, today's guest is an Inc. 100 leadership speaker. He's had books that have been voted top 10 uh, leadership books on Amazon. And you should know this, Jeremy Kubitschek is a powerful communicator, serial entrepreneur, and content builder. He creates content used by some of the largest companies around the globe found in the books he has authored. The 100X Leader, Five Voices, Five Gears, and the national bestseller, Making Your Leadership Come Alive, which is a dynamite read if I must say so myself. Jeremy is the executive chairman of Giant. Many of you are familiar with Giant, uh, but it's a company that certifies coaches and consultants that serve companies and their employees. Jeremy has started over, catch this, 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Uh, Jeremy, I know you're a person of faith, you're family-oriented. Um, what a joy it is to have you on this show. Brad Lominick, our mutual friend, just sings your praises. He introduced me to your work, and I'm now better off because of it. So uh, just can't thank you enough for your investment of time and energy on today's show. Man, are you kidding me? I'm so excited, Jordan. I'm just, I love your energy. I love the work you do. I'm fired up to be with you. And so to all of you out there, um, let's go. I'm ready. All right, man. Well, I'm ready. I came to learn. I got my notepad, man. I'm going to be taking notes. Uh, for our audience, this is heavy note-taking time because you're about to learn from one of the best when it comes to leadership development. If you're an emerging leader, if you're a veteran leader, we're going to meet you right where you're at today. I'm, I'm confident uh, today's conversation will be inclusive, relevant, and impactful and I should also add this for some of you sports nuts, because we got a lot of athletes, coaches uh, that tune into our podcast. Uh, Jeremy works with some of the top Division I coaches, some of the top athletes on the planet. So he's not just working with people in uh, the context of business, but he's also working um, a lot in the world of sports. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um, I want to start us off with a bang, Jeremy. What is one thing that people should know about you that they might not know. All right. Yep. Here we go. And you, you prepped me for it. So I'm, I've got it. I've got the answer. It's, <laughs> right. uh, it's this, uh, people may not have known that I died in Mexico in 2002, that I was in a hurricane, got hit by a drunk driver and was one of those stories where I literally died floated above the car and was out and gone for like four or five minutes. We don't know exactly, but that's my wife thinks it was that amount of time. She was, she was with me and watched it all happen. And so I'm obviously with you. So I didn't officially die. It was unofficial death, not official death, but um, yeah, man, that changed the trajectory of everything. I feel like if you were ever like in a, in a classroom or, in a leadership group and you're kind of playing that game of like, you know, two truths and a lie or share the fun <laughs> fact, like there's no way, how does anybody say anything after that? Like <laughs> one time I died and I came back to life, you know? So um, here's, here's the lesson from it. Here's the big, aha. Uh -huh. And I've never really ever said this one before, but I just, it made me think of like, so what does that mean to you listening? And I would say because of that death, I'm more alive than I ever would have been. If I had not died, I wouldn't be as alive as I am now, which means for anyone listening, if you want to be amazing, you have to die before you can really live. You have to die to your self-preservation. 
have to die to um, trying to be something that you're not. You have to die to um, making a, making your own way. You have to die to self-reliance and in order to really, really live into who you've always wanted to be. Well, here's the good news. We're one question in. We could stop the podcast right now. We've already got <laughs> serious value and wisdom bombs uh, from our guy, Jeremy. So couldn't agree more. Um, you got to die before you can truly live. Um, I've had to die to a few things you know, in my life and, and leadership journey. Let's talk about being alive. And we're going to talk about leadership because you're known as a leadership expert. And you've got this incredible resume of developing all types of leaders, and all types of industries and walks of life. Um, I want to start us with a bit of a metaphor that you use. And by the way, it's part of your gift and how you write and speak as you use metaphors and stories. Um, you use this metaphor of a garden and you talk about leadership in the context of a plant and a garden. And I'm going to pause there and let you uh, continue because this, if you're listening and you're a leader, if you're leading a team or you want to be a leader, uh, we believe that that most of you are leaders. I subscribe to this idea that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. John Maxwell, come on. Um, so uh, I'd love I'd love for you just to to help our leaders with this metaphor of the yeah. And, and actually, so we you know in two thousand and six two thousand seven I bought John Maxwell's businesses, and uh, we took that even further and we're like, okay, leadership is influence, but influence is power. So you can either empower or overpower based on your intent. And so the empowering leader will, um, is, is really the goal. So what happened is yesterday, actually, this was so fun. I was with Brent Venables and the OU um, University of Oklahoma football coaches. And we're, we're launching, you know, obviously, the ball. I speak to the players next week. We were, I was getting them um, just organized. And I've created this. Uh, elite index that basically gives uh, coaches a way to evaluate their players around mind, body, and spirit. And it's a really cool little index that, that I made up that to try to take subjectivity and make it objective. But in it, to, that's kind of nerdy, okay? But I had to make it so simple. And that's what I try to do. I take complex things and make them really simple. So what I did is I brought five plants up. I bought five plants. I had a, you know, a flowering one. I had this like potato vine. I had monkey grass. I had a succulent and I had a cactus and I put them all up on stage. And to explain where we're going for the year, I explained it like this. Look, every one of your players is a plant, but there's five different types of plants that you're going to lead. Uh, that's from the five voices, which is if you want to unpack that as from Jungian typology, which is where Myers-Briggs comes from. 16 different variations of five voices. Mm. And those five voices are basically individual plants. So I took a plant, I go, all right, guys, let's go. What does this plant need? I know this is basic. I'm like, yeah, water. Yep, water. What does that what does it need? Sun. What does it need? Care. What does it need? Soil. Right. Basics. So what most people do is they take plants, which a plant could be an employee, a plant could be a player. And they take a plant into their culture and culture is nothing more than atmosphere. And so it's the atmosphere uh, that they're living in. And if you're the leader, then you're the gardener. So you're either a green thumb or you're not. And to be a green thumb, that means that you have to give the plant what it needs. Now the plant, this is really important for all listening. The plant wants to grow. And if you're the gardener, you want it to grow. It's both and it, it's mutual. 
uh, I want you to grow and you want to grow. Perfect. Let's grow together. But if you take a plant into an environment where the gardener waters every plant the same way, puts all the plants in the same sunlight, you're only going to get 25, 30% results. Because not uh, so. What I was doing is I said, which does the cactus need? Which needs more water? It was obvious the cactus doesn't need much water. Well, you have seven percent of the population that are like cactus; they don't need a lot of water. Forty-three percent of the population are nurturers, uh, and they need a lot more water. Let's just say the feelers would be around fifty-five percent of the population. So when you put it all together, let's say 50%, 50% of the population needs more water than the thinkers need. But if you don't understand who you are, so I walked the plants through and said, the plant, this plant is a nurturer. Then we've got a connector. Then we've got a creative. Then we've got the less guardians and pioneers don't, they're more cactus. So I was explaining to them that reality. And then as we got into it, now I'm taking every one of their player groups or segment groups, uh, position groups, all linebackers. Well, guess what? So you remember um, the blind side? Yeah. Uh, you remember yeah, Michael and the blind side? So he was, a, he was a nurturer, but the coach was treating him like a guardian. And the coach was like, kill him. And you remember Sandra Bullock? She's walking out. It's like, you don't get it. And she goes, protect him. Well, his yeah. MO, his motivation was not to kill. His motivation was to protect. But mm. as he protected, he killed. So he got the results the coach want, but he, he got trained. So what I was doing with the coaches is the aha is most of them. And if you're listening, most leaders, they project based on who they are. So mm. they take the golden rule and they go do unto others as you would want done to yourself. And they misinterpret it. Mm. You know what? Jordan, I don't, I don't need a hug. Why should you? I didn't get training. Why should you? Step it up. I did. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's platinum rule. Do unto others as they would want done to them. Yeah. Which means that I know that plant wants to grow. I, but I have to do my job to speak their language. That's the five voices. So I have good. to speak nurturer, but I might be a pioneer. And that's the nemesis voice for me. So I need to know who I am and I need to know who they are in order to speak their language to get the most from them. So good. Well, I think about the parallels between the five voices and the, and the love languages, right? And to your point, there's this idea that I need to show love the way I receive it. And I remember when I got married, Jeremy, I could not understand how doing the dishes made my wife feel loved. Like it was the craziest thing to me, you know, and, but I would do the dishes and she'd feel loved. Um, she is an acts of service you know, type person and, and I'm words of affirmation and physical touch. And so I would tell her how great she looks and I'd give her a hug and I'd say, I love you repeatedly. And she just didn't feel it the same way as if I did the dishes or did something kind behind the scenes that was thoughtful. And so mm-hmm. your work in that space is so important. Love what you shared about the platinum rule and leaders projecting, you know, I'm going to put the past on a pedestal. I think sometimes we do that as leaders. This is how it was for me. Therefore, it should be that way for you. Um, back to metaphor. So you use this idea of the garden, which I love. Um, I know our, our listeners are going to find value in that and working with their teams. You also talk about this idea of being a Sherpa as you lead others. And you say there's very few 
100x leaders. And there's actually a gap for most people. There's a lot of 75x leaders, but not everybody makes it to 100x. Um, not everybody makes it to the sort of the top of the mountain. Um, talk to us about what it means to be a Sherpa in your leadership journey. Yeah. So I was studying, I was writing the 100x leader in 2018, and which is like, if you want to know what giants leadership uh, principles are, they're all in that book. It's so it's a field guide. I've just, I love it. It's my favorite book um, that I've written. But um, anyway, in it, we were using the metaphor. I was talking about Mount Everest and I was starting to talk about climbers and yeah, it's just the normal climbing, blah, blah, blah. And all of the climbers I talked to go, no, 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 no. It wasn't about the mountain. It wasn't about the climbers. You need to, you need to interview the Sherpa. They are amazing. I'm like, I didn't really know what a Sherpa was. I thought they were just like a butler, you know, they take your step up the mountain. And I, didn't, I realized, no, they're the guides. They're the ones that lead. And so I basically unpack leadership. Leadership is way too complicated for most people. And I've simplified it in the Sherpa, but the Sherpa does two things. They have to climb while helping people climb. Mm. Now, leadership is that you have to perform while helping others perform. So what I realized on the mountain, the Sherpas aren't going ahead of you. They're going with you. They're actually climbing while you climb, which means they have to be healthier than you. Mm-hmm. If, if your leader is not as healthy as you, then it's like having an asthmatic Sherpa. And following an asthmatic Sherpa is like death, right? You're like, no, on Mount Everest, no, thank you. <laughs> But the Sherpa has to be so healthy. If the Sherpa is healthy, then I'll respect them because I want to be like them. Then they help me, but the Sherpa never carries anyone up the mountain. So they don't carry up the mountain. They help them up the mountain. But the beautiful part about the Sherpa, back to the voices, is they learn the style and how to communicate. They know intuitively that Jordan needs words of affirmation after watching you. Versus someone else, they just need to look or someone else, they need to kick in the pants or what. So this whole idea of supporting you, but also challenging you based on who you are is the secret to the Sherpa. So no one has ever, ever climbed Mount Everest without uh, Sherpa. So that's crazy. And so you think, all right, well, that means that you need to be healthy. So that's 100 before you can multiply. Because if you're not healthy, you can, you'll still multiply negativity. So you need to multiply positivity. So the idea then is a, as a climber that leadership is basically, so if I had, let's say I had 20 leaders, here's the way I would judge them. Um, if I have 20, if, if anyone of you have team leaders, those team leaders are Sherpa. They need to be thinking like a Sherpa, but I would evaluate them by simply giving a number. It's a Sherpa assessment. Um, one through 10, how good a job. So let's say, Jordan, you work. For, for me. Okay. Uh, one through 10. Um, how are you in your performance? And I go, man, you're an eight. You're killing it as a performer. You could get better. You can get to a nine, but you know, very few people get to a 10. So you're, you're doing great, but how good a job are you doing at leading people? And so what happens then is like, is that a four? Is that a six? Is that an eight? So what I find is that team leadership is so difficult because you have to get up before everyone else. You have to do your job. 
while helping these whiny climbers who can't zip their jackets and it's cold outside and blah, 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 blah. So here's the, here's how it goes. If you're, if you have team leaders, put them in a circle. How many teams do you have? 10. Let's say you have 10, put all their names, Mike, Jose, Linda, Susan, blah, 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 all the team leaders underneath it, do an assessment, do the Sherpa assessment. How good a job are they doing? How good a job is Mike doing in his leader, his performance? Eight. How good a job is he doing at leading people? Two. He's a specialist that you put there because we needed to find a way to help him make more money. Mm. So we slid him over because the manager gets paid more, but he's killing that team. Now, next to him is Linda. She's a seven in performance, but she's a seven in leadership. Solid. Okay, got it. Move over to the Jose. Jose, he's a six in performance. He's a seven in leadership. People like, okay, we're good. See what I mean? And I go all the way through this 10. Mm. Then here's the simple assessment. You take all 10 of the performance numbers, add them up, divide by 10. Take all of the leadership numbers ten, and divide by 10. And now you get an average. Your team leaders are a six, four. Your Sherpas aren't healthy enough. You have got to get your team leaders healthy. They have to be the healthiest people on the mountain. Because if your team leaders aren't leading people effectively up the mountain, those teams aren't spinning. They're not moving. And your frustration of this grand strategy you have isn't working because your team leaders aren't working. And that might be directly tied to you because your own leadership score might be a seven, three. You're a seven as a performer and a three at leading your Sherpa. Does that make sense? That is, that is so good. And there's some folks that just need to hit rewind and go back to the last seven or eight minutes. Um, I love that simple assessment and we all need to be doing that continuously, right? To understand where are we at um, in our own health and wellness, you know, as a leader. And then the extension of that is where is your team at? Um, I know that you subscribe to this philosophy, uh, Jeremy, just in studying your work and all the time that you spent with Maxwell, um, that the toughest job in leadership and the most important job in leadership is leading yourself and um, love the way that you talk about that in great detail. Um, I want to keep moving uh, and I want to talk about this idea of calling up versus calling out. Um, you actually told a story of, of your daughter who, you know, kind of, um, and I won't spoil the entire story, but yeah. she did something that frustrated you. Uh, and you had, you had a moment with, I think her name is Kate, uh, your mm-hmm. daughter, and you had to, you had to sort of call her up when you really wanted to just kind of call her out because natural to want to do that as a leader when you're frustrated. So talk to us about the difference of calling up versus calling out. Yeah. So, you know, uh, think about dads for a minute. So my son and I, um, we started a brand called sixsummers.com and six summers. We take, um, the 13 to 18 year olds. I, I built a system for my son and apprenticed him between 13 and 18. We've now taken that. He's 22. He's a decathlete at uh, OU. He's now uh, doing father-son retreats, father-son resources. It's really fun, but we it's primarily built on this idea of calling up. So most dads, what do they want? They want peace. They've been working all day and they come home and the last thing they want is another issue. So they usually want peace. And so when the kids are doing something crazy, it's easy just to yell and use fear to get them to calm down or whatever, because just, I just want peace. Well, over time that 
culture and that fear gets put into the kids. So they're just used to calling out, out. stupid is as stupid does, you know, all those, those phrases that traditional average dads do. But if you want to be an intentional dad, you actually take the time to get well, one. It doesn't work. It's like lighting a fire underneath an employee. Uh, if you get them, if you light a fire underneath them, they'll get up, but they'll come and sit back down where you don't want them. You light another fire. They get up and they sit down. Get a, you constantly light fires means that person's going to get fired. So the idea is that you actually need to learn how to call people up into who they really are, which means you have to know who they are. So if I looked at, in my case, my daughter, she told me she wanted to be a leader in her junior year of high school. This is you know a while back. And I was like, all right, well, that's awesome, Kate. I love it. I'm for it. However, I can help you. And then like a week later, she ends up uh, toilet papering her ex-boyfriend and gets caught on a ring camera. And they're good friends of ours. And all of a sudden we're into this like, and I wanted to ream her out because it's embarrassing and blah, 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 blah. But I used the opportunity to like, okay, stop, slow down. You told me, Kate, you wanted to be a leader. So help me understand what's happened here. So this is who you said you are. And this is what you did because she already knew she was in trouble. Why do I need to add on top of that? She was already beating herself up. Instead, I'm using the opportunity to call her up and into her identity of who she said she wanted to be. And that opportunity then gave her enough motivation to make the changes she needed to make. Well, she was the only one of five girls. She was the only one that went back to clean it up. She went and personally apologized. Um, I don't know how, what they thought of it, but I thought a lot of it. And I basically, I called her up and she rose to the occasion and she ended up being a leader of the school that year. And that event catapulted her. Now, if I would have, called her out, she still would have gone, but maybe she would have gone with a little bit more demeaning domination to herself. But instead I just called her up into who she told me she wanted to be. So good. Great lesson for parents, leaders at work in a community. Um, I know I needed that too many times I'm calling out when I really need to be calling up. Thanks for sharing, Jeremy. Um, I want to ask you this and I love asking leaders this question. It's really a two part question. Um, First part of the question, and it's, it's, it's a big one, and you might have um, to think about this for a second, or maybe not. What is the most important leadership lesson that you've ever learned? Most important leadership lesson that you've ever learned? Um, it's probably, it's around the idea of being responsive and not resistant. Um, here, here's what I mean. Like, think about football, for instance, or a sport, pick a sport you have a player who screws up and everyone in the stands or on TV sees it. And that player uh, points to another player. It's like, man, what did you, why did you, cause they're embarrassed and they're trying to shift the blame onto someone else. And the other player's like, what do you mean? It wasn't me. It was, uh, you know, and they're yeah. on the field and you see that, right. You know what I'm talking about? So it happens all the time. What do we think of that person? Well, they're, their influence goes down. Their value goes down in our mind because we're like, oh, come on, seriously? Dude, that was you, man. It was, I watched every play. It was you. Why, why can't? Versus the guy who, or a gal who's out there and they're playing and they're like, my bad. I got it. My bad. 
And we're okay with that, except unless he does that every other play. And then we're like, get him off the field. <laughs> right, right, like, get him right. out. But if they take responsibility, uh, so it, responsiveness is actually the concept of humility. It's like secure and confident and humble. And humility is, uh, you know, it, it is the antithesis to the original sin. The original sin was pride. Um, if you believe in the story of Satan and Lucifer, he was trying to be God and he was trying to be something he was never intended to be. So he's constant. He's the most insecure person there is. And so he spreads insecurity everywhere. And that insecurity shows up as resistance and victim and blaming. And so the most responsible, the most important leadership lesson is actually own it, be responsive my bad. Hey, Jordan, I screwed up, man. Would you forgive me? Um, this is a tendency I have at times. And I just fell prey to that tendency. And man, if you show me grace, I'd appreciate it. And are we good? And then we're good. And then now we've restored and now I'm secure and I'm confident and I'm humble. Mm. But if I'm insecure and I'm arrogant and I'm prideful, then which are most adults, most uh, sports, most athletes, then they lose influence. Uh, they, they are kind of miserable. And, you know, so this morning I'm on a call with a leader in Bhutan and I'm working with the Bhutanese government doing some crazy things, trying to help and leaders in Bhutan. Right. And I'm working with this one guy and he just, uh, I was helping him. He was responsive. He's like, Hey man, I screwed up. And would you forgive me? And, actually it wasn't just me. It was someone else, but I screwed up. Would you? And I was like, man, you're the man because you're responsive. Absolutely. And it was not a big deal, but I so appreciate that you were sensitive to it and see, because that's leading yourself. Yeah. So good. So good. I feel like we talk about these two things in, in so many of our episodes, but the life's most, one of the most important questions I believe is what part of the problem is me? You know, in in a conflict situation, especially. Um, yep. And then I love this quote from Craig Rochelle. You know, he always says, "People can be impressed with your strengths, but they actually connect to you through your weakness." So when we're when we have an ability to own our weakness and say, "Hey, I messed up," or "This is me," or you know, "I've got this thing that I did or that I do," um, there's actually a, a connection that can be formed. People are drawn to that. To your point, there's a humility that I think is really attractive. So love what you said, man, about being responsive. Uh, the second part of my question as a follow-up is, uh, Jeremy, what are you learning right now? I mean, you, you work with so many top thought leaders and you've learned so much, but I know you're committed to continuous improvement. What, what are you learning right now about leadership? Well, so all of my, all of my learning, all of our tools, I have about 75 tools that we've created. And uh, most of them, those are future books or the future, you know, you can mine them out. And they're mostly all around influence and, and, and such, but I learned most of them through my own weakness and my own tendencies. Um, I have a, you know, I have a tendency to exaggerate. I have a tendency to have expectations that are unrealized or unrealistic. Um, I have a tendency to, um, you know, to overshare, right? So all these things become tools to go, okay, how do I, how do I work on that? And what do I do? Um, but right now I'm really diving into uh, peace and understanding what peace really is. And I'm, I'm learning how to 
uh, reveal the areas in my life. So every day I do this, I do a thing uh, every single day. I do a call-up session in the morning. I call myself up into who I am, into my identity. And then I literally put on my superpowers. I remind myself of my superpowers. It's like the Avengers. Like I'm calling myself up into the role. And then I put my superpowers on. And then I pray for people at peace. Like, who am I supposed to help today? Who am I supposed to be around today? And then I go about my day. And then at the end of the day, I do the examine, which is kind of a Jesuit model. I look backwards and I go, what are the top three um, things I'm most thankful for? And I'll, I'll thank God for those, or I'll tell someone, Hey, Jordan, so good to meet you, dude. Thank you for the time today. And then I'll, I'll look at this one question. I ask it, uh, where was I off today? What was it like to be on the other side Mm -hmm. of me? Where was I off? And, but I do it not out of domination, but out of liberation. Like I'm free. So I look at it as like, man, why was I negative there? to so-and-so and what has to happen. And sometimes it's the other person and I have to go talk to them, but most of the time it's me and I then deal with it right there. So that's where my learning comes from. And then at night um, I go and do this like rest in peace sleep. I literally put a theme over me as I go to bed at night and I just kind of go, you know what? I want to eradicate this negative thought tonight. And so I, I, for me, for those who are spiritual would get this, I ask uh, God to give me like work on me while I'm asleep. Like, Hey, you got eight hours. Might as well work on me, get rid of this thought or this pattern or whatever uh, while I'm sleeping. And then I wake up in the morning to try to remember the theme I had for the night before. So that's what I do every day, but it's, it's around peace. And, uh, and I'll show you this. Um, I have the, this is called the peace index. This is the book that is coming out October 4th. And this is the actual book. It's not, um, uh, you know, it's, I just sent it off to the printer actually yesterday, uh, finished, finished. But the idea is that, um, we all have a number over our head. And when we come into any room, every person that comes in the room has a number right there. You, you have to figure it out and they may not know it, but it's like 75, 82.4, 90, whatever the number is, it's a culmination of your purpose your people, your place, your personal health, and your provision. And all of those, one of those might be off. Like they always say, you're only as good as your weakest kid because you have one kid that's off and that could actually affect your day. And so what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm helping people in this book and this concept called the Peace Index. I'm helping them recognize what they control and how almost like we give too much control to things we can't control. So we give too much, um, uh, we're giving um, uh, inflation, the war in Ukraine, the political blah, 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 media, uh, uh, social media, all these things that would actually affect our peace. And our number is dragged down. It's pulled down by these things. But if we don't recognize them, like your purpose might be off. So we got to work on the purpose. Well, what can you control? What can you not control? Well, I can't control right now that my wife has such and such, and I'm needing to be close to our in-laws. Okay, there you go. So you can't control it, but you can maximize it. You can make it the best as possible. So, or you might have a people situation that you just didn't realize that person is really dragging you to such, it's affecting your number or your place. Move, 
or, or redo your living room or make your backyard more of a respite, whatever. Right. And so going through all of these pieces. So in the book, I basically give an entire framework of how to recognize what your driver is, how to see what your lowest number is and what to do with it. And then I, that framework that I talked about of calling myself up, um, you know, praying for people, all of that, the examine I put in the book as well. So you can actually follow and create your own peace plan. What's your peace plan for yourself when you can't control out there? How can you create peace in here? And when you're at peace in here, then you become a better and more effective leader because when you're healthy, other people want to follow you when you're not healthy, we've got problems. So that's the whole premise of, of the peace index. It comes out October 4th. Um, and so that's, a that's what I'm working on right now. Well, you just took my uh, next question, the, the answer uh, right out of my mouth. I was going to uh, ask you about the peace index coming out October. You said October 4th. Jim. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, what a gift, man, that you've given to other people to help them with their peace, their contentment and their health as a leader. I love what you said about giving too much control to things that we can't control. Guilty. I've done that. Been there. <laughs> and um, I'll be reading uh, your next book as well. Um, where can people find you, Jeremy? I know that you're real active on social media. You've got a great uh, presence online. Um, if people want to learn more about yeah. Jeremy Kubitschek, where, where do they go? How do they look you up? Yeah. So the problem is that name is so blasted long and it's hard to spell. So it's jeremykubitschek.com, right, is my website. But uh, if you go to giantworldwide.com, it's a little easier. Uh, the book is on Amazon. You know, you can pre-order if you wanted. Um, and then, um, yeah, so those are probably a couple of places that are the easiest to find me. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, hey, man, this has been a real blessing and a pleasure and just love your spirit, love what you stand for. You've had so Jordan, much impact already. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Jordan, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to say you probably never really get this, but I'm going to tell you out, out loud and to other uh, people who are listening. And you know, uh, for those who don't know, I don't know Jordan very well at all. I know him through Brad Lominick and, and my friendship with Brad. Um, but man, I want to tell you, you have like, uh, you have a really, really genuine spirit. You have a authenticity about you. I do a lot of these and, um, you've got a great voice. You've got a great presence. You've got a great, uh, position in like life and what you're trying to accomplish and being in a fellow flyover state, um, to go that, it's humility and giant. My business has a little I in it and it stands for David, not Goliath. And it's the Davids that changed the world, not the Goliaths. And the little I and humility, it's, it's present in you. And the last words of David uh, are really, really interesting. And he says, um, a great leader this is a summary, his last words. I think it's really interesting. He says, a great leader is like the morn is like the dew on the ground with the morning sun. And I'm like, that's the weirdest last words. What? And he basically says it is this great leaders bring peace. Mm. And I think that you're a peacemaker, dude. I think you're, I think that's who you are. I think you're a freedom fighter. I think you, you want the best in people. And uh, so I'm just letting you know that, um, that that's what I feel. Well, that that's a blessing and just received. Um, God is good. And he's uh, uh, allowed us to have this conversation today via Brad Lominick, our good friend. And 
Uh, I know I'm better. I know our community's better. And and I, I appreciate you for spending time with me, calling me up. You didn't have to do that. So um, thank you for encouraging me, empowering me. And uh, just know that I will continue following your work and learning from you uh, for sure from afar and hopefully um, as the days and weeks pass uh, up close over time because you're a gift, man. And uh, thanks for wearing your faith on your sleeve in the marketplace, um, being somebody who fights for fights for your faith, fights for, for Jesus. Uh, appreciate that so much. Um, anything else you want to share as we, as no, we turn you loose, Jeremy? No, just uh, let's, let's go for it. Let's go have it. All of you are listening, um, you know, get, be encouraged, um, get healthy, do the right things, be intentional. Um, go for it. Go for it. It's been awesome. It's been real. We appreciate you, Jeremy. Uh, this is a leadership podcast designed to help people go farther, faster in their leadership journey. You helped us do that today. God bless you, my friend. Be well. You've been listening to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks to our producers, John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia. We couldn't do what we do without you. Um, If you would, share this podcast episode. Um, It would mean so much to us as we move our mission of impact forward. This is a podcast designed to help leaders go farther, faster. And we want to continue to do that. So until next time, I'm Jordan Montgomery. We love you. God bless. Have a wonderful day.